Hey everyone, welcome to the Create Initiative Podcast, the show that brings you insights and techniques from people in the creative world. We serve to help fellow creatives connect, learn, and grow. Well, welcome to another show. I'm Jason Evans, and Kyle Lee is with me wearing his awesome NASA tie-dye t-shirt. Kyle, how you doing, man? Great. You sound great. It's Tie-Dye Tuesday. Tie-Dye Tuesday on the day of recording, and I do have to mention Kyle's being a trooper. Uh, A little under the weather today, but he he said, no, I want to do this. So the people need to hear what we have to say today. That's right. It could be the most important thing you have to hear today. but In your life. Probably not likely, but that's okay. Um, Well, (laughs) Kyle, I hope you've had a great couple of weeks. And uh, what have you done the last uh, since our last show? Well, um, uh, my computer crashed. Yeah, uh, hopefully you've been keeping up with his Insta stories. Um, it crashed completely. Um, was able to salvage the two hard drives within it. That's good. Got a new computer. It's amazing. And that's. That brings us up to date. That brings us up to date. So did you have just the like a uh, compact or the SSD cards? I like had uh, one just old hard drive okay. that was the original to the MacBook Pro I had. And then I had installed a solid state drive in place of the disk drive. And so, um, yeah, I took both of those out, plugged them in. They worked fine. And so it's something... Don't know what happened to my other... Like, hmm. there must be something in all the logic board and all that yeah. terrible stuff, so... She had a good run. It was... I mean, it was... Old. It was a little bit old compared to today's computer standards. It was very brick-like. It was so. very... You couldn't set it in your lap <clears throat> because it would burn you. Yeah. The battery would get way too hot. Too hot. The whole thing. Yep. Yeah, I had one is about that generation that one day uh, I had it in my bag and I I, I wasn't very smart because I left it running in my bag, uh, didn't shut it down and left it in the trunk of my car for like a meeting that I went way longer than I expected in the middle of like August. And when I pulled my computer out of my bag, like the fan was running at a crazy, crazy speed. And when I let, when I set it on the tabletop, it, my whole laptop was crooked. And I flipped it over, and the battery had actually like expanded yeah. outside of the chamber. Was- yeah, that happened uh, January, and I replaced the battery in it. It okay. was like pushing up the trackpad. Yeah, and I replaced the battery. That's when I put it in the solid state drive. Upgraded the RAM. It had been going. It had been going hard for me for well over a year, and uh, who knows what happened. Well, I'm sorry about your loss, but. Uh, I like the new machine that's sitting in front of you. And uh, Kyle, let's transition into our something new, because not only did you get a new laptop, but you kind of uncovered a new piece of uh, technology that's moving out in Silicon Valley. Yes. Jason, do you have a smart speaker? Uh, I do, yes. And an Amazon Echo, is that what it is? No, I got a free Google Home uh, when they came to Oklahoma City and did like a a big uh, pop-up shop thing. Do you talk to it a lot? Uh, only when I want to play music. So just then? That That's the only time I really use it. So I know it listens to me, though. Oh, it's always listening. Always. Yeah. Um, well, I just came across this article on Fast Company about why hearables are the next big thing. Hearables. You know, like a few years ago, it was like, oh, wearables are the next big thing yeah, in like tech. Yeah, like the watches. The watches and, and, even, and all that stuff. Even like Google Glasses, which just oh, yeah, yeah. vanished off the face of the earth. <laughs> um. Um, but this uh, this one company called Doppler, um, they uh, they came up with these little headphones, little earbuds that you could go in, and they were basically smart smart earbuds, okay. like everything's smart nowadays. Yeah. And so um, they had uh, they could cancel out unwanted background noise, like completely. Um, they could amplify the voice of a particular person, like from across the room for you. Okay. Um, and then, um, they were even able to translate different languages at like half a second of speed. So someone speaking in Spanish, speaking to you in Spanish and within half a second, you're getting a translation in English in your ear. And so, um, this, this was all happening back in 2016. Okay. They, they had this device and 
basically not enough people said they were going to give them funding. They had some people that wanted to buy them out, but they, they were like, no, we're going to make our own awesome company, blah, blah, blah. And well, they didn't sell enough. And so they shuttered. Okay. And so, um, but now this report was saying that Amazon, Apple, and Google are all trying to, uh, to develop these smart headphones basically. And so, um, so basically that, I mean, they, this article goes on and tells you some crazy things that what, what an AI smart little earbud could do for you. So and it, it even scarily, scarily, is scarily a word? Uh, it is today. Scare, so, something that's scary is that it says essentially this thing, an AI powered smart earbud could know what you're thinking. And so. that That is, that is a little scary. And so it like. Much like a smart speaker or yeah, smart watch or something like that, like it, it is designed to, uh, basically, it's designed to figure you out so they can sell to you, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But my my question, more so than like unleashing a new like product, my question is, would this be something that you'd be up for? This the article says that hardly. It was a really low percentage. I'm trying to find it. Scroll through. Really low percentage of people are willing to talk to their, like, say, basically, like, talk to their smart, whatever, smart products in public. Very few people are. They, I don't know if they're too embarrassed or if it's just like a, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, you know the stigma of that one guy that's always got his Bluetooth on 24-7. Yeah, but if this is like, you know, uh... Uh, because in the article it talks about it also talks about how the kind of the design is it's a bridge between like entertainment headphones and like a hearing aid like an actual useful device for 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 people who need uh, hearing options and but it said so in order for it to really fill that that void it has to be small enough and light enough to really fit comfortably in the yeah. the ear canal so the one thing I might say is, you know, how how often like in movies when they have those like ear ear devices, you know, and like in spy movies and stuff and like people talk, you know, they're talking to somebody in a band down the road, but you know, it's like normal conversation. So don't you think people would imagine that they're like living in a spy fantasy or something? That would be kind of cool. I mean, you know, it's it's like the old, you know, hold your hand up to your or your wrist up to your mouth like the secret service. Yeah. Um, but now it's just like you can talk to, to Alexa um, like a normal person, you know? Yeah, and you would think it would be this. So if Amazon released one, mm-hmm. it would still be you still be talking to Alexa. Yeah, I think you would still be like, Alexa, uh, you know, how much for a box of Cheerios at the local well, supermarket? Well, and this thing says so if based, you know, the technologies already exist that it could, based off of the location or whatever, this thing could know basically what you're facing in a store like yeah just by it being in your ear it would know what you were facing in the store and so it could help you suggest that or it could run an ad for something yeah competing with that or uh, i think in the article it even you know it was kind of tongue-in-cheek but mentioned that uh you know, if once you cough, if you have cough once, then suddenly ads for Robitussin I might or need that. Yeah, NyQuil <laughs> may suddenly show up in, in, in all of your feeds. So uh, it is a fascinating article. And uh, we, I think I'd be all for it. We have a link in the show notes. Uh, so so go, go read it. Um, I mean, I, I will say like to me that um, the, the scariness notwithstanding, that to me is much more there's more potential there, I think, than like a watch. Yeah. Um, as far as a wearable goes, or Google Glass, or, or whatever. I do think there is, you know, like I said, even the practical, the practicality of if it could, even halfway efficiently translate other languages or aid somebody who needs a little bit of of hearing help. Um, you know, I think there's definitely the potential for a broader market, uh, in that. So that's pretty cool, man. That's a nice find. Yeah. Well, and one last thing it says in the article that the percentage of U.S. households that had something like Amazon Echo or Google Home, some type of smart speaker in 2014 was 0.03%, and that jumped up to 16% last year. Okay. And so they're saying by 2023, it'll be over half of the country will have smart speakers in their home. Okay. And so 
by by when twenty what twenty twenty three which so five years five years from now okay um, and wow. so I think it's just it's inevitable that yeah everything I mean everything your water bottle is going to be smart yeah. before you know it well it is it, well they already have them like they already have like like these smart water bottles that have an app that will help you track how much legitimate liquid you drink a day and and all kinds of stuff um, and you know it's like the you know Amazon has their own TV now. Like it's a, you know, fire TV or whatever. Yeah. And the big selling point on it is not only does it have their fire OS built into it, but it's got Alexa built into it. So you can now talk to your TV uh, to, you know, ask it to do whatever. Um, so it's, you know, there's always been, there's been the rumors for years about Apple actually having a full TV, um, but you can do Siri on their, their box now. Yeah. You know, so it's, it is crazy. Uh, we have smart everything, smart uh, smart luggage, smart fridges, smart fridges, all kinds of stuff. So, uh, well, that is fascinating. Uh, find the link in the show notes and and read that article. It is it is a little bit lengthy, but it's it's worth read if that interests you at all. Well, Kyle, um, I, I want to bring something. It's not necessarily new, but it's just more information uh, as we as we approach the fall season. Uh, it always tends to be like conference season in the creative world, and so uh, I just wanted to to share a few conferences that are that are in the fall. That um, truthfully, I've attended some of these. I haven't attended uh, all of them, but if it's anything that interests you, I'm just going to kind of run down dates and what the conference is about. But you can find the links on the show notes if if you're interested at all to go check those out. And the first one I want to talk about, Kyle, is Salt Conference that happens October 10th and 12th in Nashville. And uh, um, for those of you who've listened to the show very long, uh, you know that uh, Salt is is head headed headed up. Salt is led by. Um, one of our friends, uh, Luke McElroy, and uh, they even came to Oklahoma City last fall and, and did uh, the Salt Tour, and so uh, that was an awesome time. But uh, So they're back in Nashville this year, like I said, October 10th and 12th, and this is really an event for... Uh, people in the creative world in the local church. Um, they have they have workshops designed for people in worship ministry, and then they have lighting and video and audio, and uh, they really kind of break down some nuts and bolts about uh, uh, whatever it is that, that you may do in the local church. And then, you know, they have keynote speakers who are designed to kind of talk about the inspirational or, or maybe the, the practical side of, of doing creative things in the church. And so uh, if you look on their website, they have uh, workshop topics uh, fall under leadership, foundations, personal growth, creative process, worship, communication, story, and film, uh, tech, which is environments, tech, which is audio, tech, which is video, tech, which is lighting, and uh, a few other things. So uh, if that's something you're interested in, uh, go check it out. Uh, Nashville is a cool city, and it's always, it's always worth venturing to and there's another conference in nashville that's happening uh, not too long before that and that's story conference september 20th and 21st and uh on their website says story is an immersive two-day conference style gathering designed to inspire challenge and equip artists creators and storytellers who work in a variety of industries uh are you familiar with story kyle um i mean i've never been i've seen it advertised every year yeah, it's it's an event um, that I mean I think it's been around since like 2009, and uh, it, it is it is really something that's unlike anything I've ever attended before. Um, they they go out of their way to create immersive environments that try to really pull you away from your normal world. Um, and, uh, so they, 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 they speak to beyond the church level. And so, uh, that's something to be aware of. But I mean, when it, when it says storytellers who work in a variety of industries, um, last year, some of their keynotes were someone who worked at Pixar for, for, uh, like, I think around 20 years. And, uh, the, the lead creative or lead storyteller for IBM was there and they had, uh, a graphic artists from Marvel Comics and, you know, just stuff like that. And Was uh, Casey Neistat, uh, was he, he was, there one year? Yeah, he was there two two or three years ago. Um, okay. And so, but, but so they have, I mean, they bring in people that are, that are known either in their industry and some that are known like just worldwide. Um, but uh, it's, I've actually had the opportunity to go two times uh, over, the, you know, once I think I went 2013 and then I went last year. Um, it's a cool, cool experience. And, uh, if it's something that, that you could go to, I would highly recommend it, um, for sure. 
Um, the one other I want to mention is uh, Film and Music Conference, September 28th and 29th. And this one is in Fort Worth, Texas. So probably a little bit closer to most of our listening base. Um, and this is uh, the people at Music Bed actually started this conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the second year they've done it. And um, it is it is industry. Uh, it's kind of built for the film and music industry. Um, but it, there are definitely things that they talk about that, that applies in a church context, but it's, I mean, it really goes into, I, I talked to someone who went last year and, you know, they did like a film practicum workshop where they had like a professional cinematographer in a studio go through like how he lights a scene. Um, and so it's kind of one of those, it's probably a fine line between will I ever use this in the church versus like the knowledge of like being able to be in that room and listen to yeah. a professional do that. So, um, but that's September 28th and 29th in Fort Worth, Texas. And, um, we'll have a couple others that, that are linked in the show notes that, that might be adventures to you, but I really wanted to point those three out. And, um, I don't know if you've got a conference budget or if you're a conference junkie or anything like that, but, uh, you might check those out and, uh, we'll, we'll always try to keep you informed of that stuff in the future as well. Well, Kyle, we need to take a break. We've got a a great guest coming up, and uh, we'll be right back and hear from our buddy, Brandon Vergerber. Vergerber. Welcome back to the Create Initiative Podcast. On today's show, uh, we have special guest Brandon Verderber with us. And uh, Kyle, Brandon is the creative director at Woodlake Church uh, that's based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's also the uh, owner and operator of Verderber Burgers. Yes. Um, you, you, it's, it's in a secret, ever-moving location. And so reach out to him on Twitter and Instagram, and he can incite you on that information for sure. Have you had them before? Vergerber Ver- burgers. If it doesn't say Vergerber, put down that burger. Oh, he's very proud of the, that moment, I bet, Kyle. So. I've been workshopping that one all week, guys. <laughs> that's, that's good. Well, Brandon uh, is the creative director at Woodlake Church in Tulsa, and uh, he he served in the church for, for quite a few years, and, and we'll uncover that he has actually uh, held many roles in, in the church. He started out as just helping with the youth worship team. And uh, that, that grew into uh, just helping in, in, in several different areas. But now he's kind of settled in nicely as a creative director. And um, we, we spent a lot of time talking about that. But one thing that, that I really want to highlight as we, as we dive into this interview is Brandon has a very unique working relationship with their senior pastor, uh, Jamie Austin. And um, he actually will, will sit down with Jamie and they'll, they'll work out the sermons together. And um, what they, they he kind of dives into what that looks like and and everything, but it's just uh, it's pretty interesting, pretty unique. And so uh, make sure and and stay tuned for that part as we dive into that. But man, it was so fun to talk with Brandon. Got to go over to Tulsa and hang out with him. And so let's just get to it. Here is our interview with Brandon for Derber. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, how's it going today, man? It's going great, man. Getting ready for a lot of big fun stuff here at the church and enjoying sitting in a quiet room with you for a minute. This is good. <laughs> quiet rooms are always yeah. good uh, in busy churches. Yeah. Uh, so uh, to get people started or to get us started, um, let's tell, talk a little bit about your background, where you're from and uh, what you're doing here at Woodlake. Sure. Yeah, I actually grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I lived there all the way until I went to college and I felt like I should come out to ORU at the time, they were one of the only schools that you could get a degree for worship arts is what they called okay. it. Um, so I came out to do that. And then I actually started volunteering here at Woodlake as a freshman in college. And I've gotten to see the church change a ton. We had a new pastor transition back then. And so I've gone from a volunteer to an intern to a pastoral staff member making 20 bucks more than I made as an intern <laughs> all the way up to, to where I'm at now. And so it's been kind of a fun adventure. So yeah. Well, awesome. And uh, family life? Yeah, so I've got um, my wife Whitney and I, we got married five years ago this month, and then we have one son, he's two years old, and if I ever question moving out to Oklahoma, they are the answer, like, oh yeah, this is how I ended up here, so. Okay, yeah. is she from Oklahoma? Uh, she is, she's okay. from Lawton area, and she's 
Pastor Jamie, our pastor, kind of hooked us up and got her to okay. move up to Tulsa and all this stuff. So. Okay, Jamie, he he he, those Lawton ties, they're very oh, yeah. strong. He's yeah, <laughs> he's made it happen. Uh, well, that, well, that's cool. And uh, you know, I have to say, I'm a I'm a huge Pittsburgh Pirates fan. I appreciate so, that. There's so uh, you know, haven't been there yet. I was gonna say, and it's been a rough time for you if you're a fan of them. Yeah, but we. We appreciate it. It's a yeah. good, good fandom anyway. <laughs> well, uh, so you've been at Woodlake since your freshman year yeah. uh, in, in a roundabout way. You've seen a lot of transition. You've seen a uh, new building go up. You've seen you've seen all kinds of stuff happen. Um, before we, we focus in on the church, what led you to say, I want to go to college and I want to worship in creative arts degree? Yeah. When I was in, um, even in elementary school, I got in the band right away and I was always into music and stuff. Uh, my family talks about how I sang all the songs from Aladdin with a vest my grandma made when I was in kindergarten. Like a genie like, vest? Oh, yeah. Like no, a... like the Aladdin vest. Okay, like okay. She made me, I made her make sure it was just right with the jewels and the whole thing. Wow. Um, yeah, so I was that kid. But anyway, so I was always into the arts and stuff. And then I, in high school, like I got saved really early. I think it was like 10 years old. Um, and then it just became my thing. Church was just the thing that... I was involved at school, but it was the place where I really felt tied in and I just knew I was called into ministry. And then I went to, um, if you remember Branded by Fire and the Brownsville Revival back mm-hmm. in the day, I went to their youth conferences every okay. summer with my youth group and there was just the prophetic stuff happened where it felt like, okay, God is clearly calling me into, at the time I thought music ministry, which since then has become just all creative stuff. Um, but yeah, so that got me, got me ready. I think I was like 13 when I had decided, okay, I know I want to be in full-time ministry and the titles and jobs have changed a lot yeah. since then. But yeah. yeah. Um, and what instruments do you play? So I play guitar was my main. I honestly haven't played anything in a long time yeah. now. Um, but yeah, so I started out playing guitar. I also play a mean tuba. If you ever really? need that, nice. just give me a call. That's funny. Um, but yeah, so I played guitar mainly, keys, a little bit of everything except drums as far as worship goes. Okay, and so you just kind of um, picked all that up yeah. over time? Yeah, guitar was how I started. I had a 10-watt amp sitting on a stool, and they let me come to practice, and it was super fun. It was cool getting to be involved that Like at the and, church? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, I was, okay. yeah. I was like 13 and I had my little 10 watt sitting on a stool and I was with the main youth worship band, the coolest guys ever. And that's how I learned. And so I have a huge passion for letting kids get involved. That got me now where I am because yeah. someone let me do that. Yeah, so. that, that's great. Uh, you always want to be in an environment where where you can just kind of learn on the go. And in the creative world, sometimes that's the best way. Oh, yeah. To learn. Absolutely. So um, you talk. So so at age 13, you knew, OK, this is kind of the, the arena. Yeah. That, that I wanted to be in. What what did you learn or how did how did things begin to shape and narrow at ORU while you were in sure. college? So when I got to ORU, it was kind of funny to me, but I was rare in that I was really involved in my church. At the time, a lot of students that I was there with, they would play in the chapel band or they would help at a church occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but Woodlake was at the size where Pastor Jamie took a chance on letting a 19-year-old kid help with so much serious stuff. Like, I was helping our worship pastor come up with sermon series ideas and getting ready for these big outreaches we were doing and how are we going to do all this? Um, and that fueled my passion for working in the local church. Cause if I'm being honest, I went to ORU to become the Christian rock star. Like yeah, yeah. I, they, they used to promote worship tours as a thing you might get to do. And so that was like, okay, I'm going to go to ORU and I'm going to hit the road doing worship. And I think my heart was right, but there was a lot of pride there too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, my freshman year, I remember being getting ready for a missions trip and doing the training and having to do push-ups in the mud. And I remember God telling me, it's not about you. It's about the people you're going to serve. Um, and ever since then, I, I always tell students that, especially ORU, because I'm still close, that you always need to look for a place to belong, not a platform to stand on. And so that's what happened with me at Woodlake. I just kept looking at, I felt called to this specific church. And so I didn't really narrow my focus yet at that point on what I'd be doing here. Mm-hmm. It was just, how can I keep being involved? Cause God yeah. has not released me. I need to work for this church and help them. Um, and that kind of started just by doing bulletins and leading worship at the youth group is kind of how that started. Okay. So, and I mean, do you remember what, like, why did you even attend in the first place? Do you remember that? Attend Woodlake? Yeah. So I was in a class where we had to work, we had to observe worship sessions because I was in a worship class and you had to observe them. And I had a friend that led worship for their little junior high group. Um, and I remember observing, taking notes. And at the time I really felt impressed to not just go try out at the big church across the street, yeah, which is yeah. also literally the big church across the street from where you, um, and so I didn't, and I came here and then I went to visit the youth center after the service. And I remember to this day, there's a guy named Patrick, who's a board member at Woodlake now that back then somebody had told him that I was a worship leader. And so he talked to me a little bit and showed me the youth center and the youth pastor showed me around and they just kept saying, 
we really wish we had somebody to lead these students and teach them how to lead worship. And they showed me that like music was thrown all over the stage and it just, it needed a leader. Mm -hmm. Um, And right then God impressed it on my heart to go and do that. So it wasn't even that I just loved attending the church. I just felt called to help that youth group get started and get a band together. And, and yeah, the rest is history after that. I just kept sticking around and um, the following fall. So that was in the spring. It was January of 09 when I started coming here. And then in September, Pastor Jamie came, and that's kind of where everything launched after that of the church okay. revitalizing and all kinds of great stuff. Okay. Well, and and we'll we'll unpack some of that history yeah. as far as your your transition over these last few years. But um, just real quick, maybe for anyone who's listening, who's like they're in the throes of that trying to lead yeah. a worship team. Um, even at that time, what were some of the things you learned that that like you know you said there were just stuff on the stage, music yeah. thrown everywhere. Like what were some things you did to try to implement sure. a, a, a good leadership model? Yeah. Um, I don't remember if this was Maxwell, but I've heard it a billion times. So I'm going to assume it is, it's his, but it was, everyone's going to rise to your lowest expectation. And I've heard that my whole life. So again, I don't know. I won't take credit for it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that was kind of the thing. And it was, I, I always tend to have an issue with, I tend to feel sorry for asking for help. And even as a youth worship leader, God was trying to teach me that people want to be involved and they want to have a standard to rise to. Mm -hmm. And so back then it was probably more formal than it needed to be. But I had like this, the crosstalk was the name of the youth group and it was the crosstalk worship covenant. And I had them sign this thing and it was really serious. And like, I made this big deal about it. Um, but that worked. And so we had students that like, they were kind of lackadaisical about, we're just going to leave music, whatever. We're not going to be prepared. And so that excellence started then. And then that got backed up as we got a new worship pastor. And that became the culture in the main sanctuary. And it became the culture of everything we did that eventually they memorized the music. And there was no music to leave laying on the stage because they had it memorized when they yeah. got there. And um, just constantly raising the standard because they want to be excellent because you're leading people to Jesus. And it's your worship to him. So it's just this basic like, so to anybody listening that's having an issue with that, I would say don't have a hard time with asking for help and raising the standard because our best people, the best volunteers, they want a standard to mm-hmm. rise up to. Um, and I had to learn that even, yeah, like I said, as a student. So well, uh, That's good. That that maybe we can just end right now. Uh, <laughs> go home on that. Uh, well, so, so you have had several uh, different... Uh, Either volunteer and job yeah. titles. Yeah. Uh, here, just uh, can you give us the quick rundown? Sure. So, a uh, quick rundown would be that I've had five positions in seven years okay. at this church. <laughs> um, so, I started as an intern doing literally everything. I was kind of split between youth and worship and media. And then I came on staff. My first like actual position was the associate worship and communications pastor doing graphic design, web design. Um, I say web design. It was me managing the church yeah. website. Yeah. Um, so doing that kind of stuff while helping lead the youth group. Then I went full time doing our college ministry and doing our communication stuff still. Okay. Uh, and then after that, youth and then next gen pastor, overall youth, kids and family ministries, and then creative pastors where I'm at now. Okay. So, wow. That's yeah. so five and seven years. Yeah. Five Mo- and seven you know, years. most people see the other way around. They've had five different churches in yeah. the last seven years. So yeah, there's some that's stuff good. I've that's... done for all seven and, um, yeah, the title has changed a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about your role now. Um, and then, because I think the things you've learned over the last seven years oh, will, yeah. will definitely will flow into that. But so what does, uh, a week here at Woodlake look like for you and your team? Sure. Yeah. So right now I am the creative pastor. So I'm over everything. I'm kind of over all campuses as far as creative goes. And um, how many campuses? So right now we have two. Okay. And so I kind of oversee, we're not super hands-on as far as like the weekly worship stuff. I'm not asking them what songs they're doing Sunday at Mm -hmm. the other campus that I'm not at, but I kind of help with all of that. So I'm Mm -hmm. helping with all worship related stuff. Um, We have awesome worship pastors. So I just kind of meet with them and are you guys good this week? We plan the services together and move on. And then everything related to graphic design, videos, web, um, a lot of the creative just elements of service. So if we do an illustrated sermon or we do a, like a play or a skit for something, I kind of do all of that. And one unique part of my role is I'm part of our executive leadership team here at Woodlake. And so on Monday mornings, I start my week by meeting. We go over the sermon together. So I'm there with Pastor Jamie. I help him word a lot of the stuff and add illustrations to it. 
And then we go to our executive leadership meetings where we kind of help make the big church decisions about everything from hiring and firing to the parking lot to what companies we're using for getting the doors installed when we Mm -hmm. expand the building. Just kind of a little bit of everything. Um, And then later in the week, I meet with my individual members of my team. So our tech director, our worship pastor, the associate pastor at the other campus who handles worship, um, as well as our guys that help lead in areas like graphic design or video. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of the norm is kind of meeting with all the people that yeah. do all the things. And then I just kind of jump in on different elements of it and help wherever. Okay. Well, I, I want to ask about that help. So since you've been, since you moved into creative director, uh, how much of it is still hands on for you? Uh, so right now we're kind of unique in that we have a stipend position for video and graphics. Okay. So because they're stipend and they're not here in the office, I'm in between them and the staff a lot. And so there's a lot of hands on like social media right now. I run a lot of that and kind of do a lot of the posting and a lot of the setting up of that stuff. Um, If we're doing a new series, I'm the one talking to the graphics guy and saying like, Hey man, here's what the new series is. Here's the direction for it. Can you help make that happen? Yeah. Um, And then everything in between, I do a lot of writing. And so if it's content for web or the back of an invite card or planning out a big skit or a series, I do a lot of writing even down to helping Jamie with sermons sometimes. Um, So it really just every week can be different. Like last Sunday, I sat in the light booth for a while because the lighting guy had something else he was doing. And so for 30 minutes, I was the lighting guy and just kind of whatever, whatever's needed. So, well, yeah, but that's good. Every week being different. Yeah. Um, you yeah, know, that, that, that can make it more entertaining. Um, so you, so on Mondays, you'll sit down with your senior pastor, your lead pastor. Yeah. And so you said, are, are you, do you recap the week before, like the weekend yep. coming off the day and then look? How do, what yep. is that kind of? Yeah, so the phrase we use is review preview. Okay. Um, so we always, and we actually include our worship pastors on that too. And so as part of that meeting, they stop by for like 30 minutes of the meeting and they're there to review preview. Here's what worked. Here's what didn't work. Um, here's what we want to build on for next week and just service in general. So as simple as, hey, the time for the prayer partners, let's make that longer next Sunday or just any, any random detail that would yeah. apl- apply to the worship pastors. Then with Pastor Jamie, our senior pastor, we're going through the sermon for next Sunday, which we typically months ahead of that have figured out at least a direction for the series. And sometimes we know within months what the topic is that Sunday. Okay. Um, So that's kind of the norm. And then some series will be different. So our big illustrated one, we probably won't meet about that on a weekly basis because he's going to be really rehearsed because he doesn't really use notes during that. And it Mm -hmm. feels different. But um. Okay, so some people, you know, almost ran off the road when they heard months. Yeah. Months out. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, how much of that in, in the time you've been here and the time Pastor Jamie's been here, how much of that is that's his personality wanting to, to be that far or versus having to try to work together to make it easier for the creative team to be able to work that far ahead? Uh, it's a lot of both. I think if Pastor Jamie didn't want it, it wouldn't happen. Yeah. Um, it really is reflecting his leadership that he wants excellence in everything we do. And it helps him. Some of the sermons that he knows it's coming, he's praying about it for a long time. And the Holy Spirit will reveal stuff to him over months that he'll, you know, he'll be out on a family vacation and he'll have an idea for an illustration. Well, if he already knows two months from now that we're doing a series on yeah. that subject, it helps him in the prep too. Um so yeah, and it's not this intense thing to be that far planned out. We just, we spend one day a year and we're moving to where we spend a day every quarter to six months to kind of speed that up and mm-hmm. be a little more detailed with it. And we just go through, what do we feel like the issues in the church are? So what do we need to talk about this year? We know Christmas and Easter. We know the sermon subject, at least. We know yeah. what we got to hit on. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes we let illustrations drive it. So we know every year coming into September, this is going to be a big illustrated thing. So do we have any idea what the theme will be this year? And then we would rather change something than start with a blank page every month. At least we know, hey, here's what we thought we were going to like. We know now that's a terrible idea, but at least we started with yeah, something. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, like or there was one time that a bunch of marriages were struggling in the church and it wasn't in February. So we did a love marriage series a different time of the year. Yeah. And that's just from us knowing the people and it's easier to change it, we found, than start from scratch. Yeah, so. uh, that's good. And, and I know that... Uh, you know, a lot of people struggle with that idea of being being able to work far enough ahead and and all that kind of stuff. So it's always just good to hear that, you know, kind of the mindset behind it. Um, uh, one thing I want to talk to you about is your process with development. Um, you you said you write a lot and you work on illustrations. Um, you also work on like your set design, staging. 
things like that. Um, could you maybe, uh, let's say you've got a big sermon series coming up. Um, could you explain maybe a little bit about what it looks like from that one day where you've, you've said, yeah. okay, this is, this is what we're going to do. And then how you start implementing the creative elements. Sure. Um, so the best example for that would be our September series that's coming up now. We, back in the planning meeting, we didn't have an idea for the theme. We just knew it was coming. So it was just, that just gets thrown on the calendar. Here's the three weeks we're going to use for that. And that was it. And then we had some ideas from years past because we're always kind of collecting ideas for those things that are like, you know, a sermon series based on this movie or this musical or this subject really is only going to work in that month. Mm -hmm. So we know some year we'll probably do Star Wars in September. We aren't this year, but sometime that'll probably happen. Um, So anyway, that's where it started. And then in the spring this year, we saw The Greatest Showman. Mm -hmm. And like many other churches, we're like, oh, that'll preach. Um, And so we knew then that that was kind of the direction. Yeah. And over the last few months, we've been working on meetings. We had our first like official meetings probably about a month ago. Um, and at the time of recording this, we're in August. So in June and July, we started meeting, getting the groundwork done for the September sermon series. And then since then, it's been every week I'm meeting with somebody. So we already have the set design figured out. We have a choreographer working on choreography because we have a little dance numbers that are in it. Um, and it's just kind of been every week we're kind of pushing toward that because that's our big thing. So some churches are thinking about Easter in January because that's their big thing. And yeah. that, that's how we do it. Yeah. Um, and then as we get closer, the the more detailed stuff happens. So the writing of the sermons, we don't have that done yet, but we have the big creative elements. And then I'll go in at the end and kind of add in some sermon topics and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Well, so for, for you, uh, when you get into the space of starting to try to to, to work on those creative elements and, yeah. and writing those things. What does that look like for you? Do you have a corner in your house? Do you have a, you know, sure. a favorite cup of coffee or what, yeah. what does that look like for you? There's, there's a few different things. So at the very beginning, it was just literally watching the movie with some friends and we saw it for the first time. Then when we started work on it, I like to work on it with my wife a lot of times. Um, last year we did one based on Moana. And so she, she was staying at home with our son. He was like a year old at the time. And she spent a whole day coming up with all these ideas that I then dug through. And then as far as the actual, like finding my space, I really don't have anything like that. And Mm -hmm. I honestly need to. And you mentioned that on a previous podcast and I heard that and I was like, I do need a good space like that. (laughs) Um, I really don't. I'm so collaborative in nature though. If I get by myself too long, I don't function well. Yeah. I need to get with, so we had a team meeting just at a Starbucks a couple weeks ago and we got a ton done. And so that's where I start. I always want to start with collaborative. And then when it's down to just me, I go and hide somewhere. I'll leave the church and I just need a space where no one can yeah, bug me. Yeah. Um, where I can just pound out the actual writing stuff. What is that that team meeting you had? Yeah. That collaboration. Who who all's there? And then kind of how do you how do you source those ideas? Sure. Uh, it starts really small and then we spread out and then we go small again. Okay. So at the very beginning on something like that, it's staff. So it was me, our worship pastor and one of our associate pastors. That's also kind of in the worship and creative stuff. Um, and then we brought in the choreographer on one and we didn't want everybody's ideas on how the choreography should look. Cause she's the expert and we're just going to hang out with her and figure that out. Yeah. But then sometime around then, we also wanted to go really big. So we had a movie night for anyone in our department that wanted to come. And we handed out sheets that said all these specific questions. Give us your ideas for it. Now, one upside to that was that now if we use something, even if it wasn't their idea, but we were already planning on doing it, they feel a buy-in that yeah. they wouldn't have felt before. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that might be just a tip for people that are listening. What, do you remember what any of those questions were? Yeah. So one of them was sermon ideas. So what topics okay. stood out to you? One of them was creative elements. So what kind of tie to this movie would be good? Um, one was what songs do you want to do? We knew full well we were probably going to do all of the songs, but it's fun <laughs> to let them, you know. Uh, one was decor. And then I had one at the bottom. I kind of worded it just silly and I don't remember what I said, but it basically said literally anything else you can think of. Write it down. Um, and we looked through it and a lot of them were similar. There was yeah. a few ideas that really jumped out as like, oh, yeah, we should do that. That is an easy way to do that. But again, at the end of the day, it was more for buy-in than anything yeah. else. Um, so anyway, so we'll go really big on stuff like that. And then we go small again. So like this week we had a meeting with two women that are really good at decor and we already in the big groups have decided here's what our decorations are going to look like. Well now in them, they're both really creative and one of them is very, very good at taking notes. The other one's really good at finding us the best deals on things. And so that got down to a small group again. And anyway, so just a lot of back and forth. Okay. Awesome. And then as you get into the, the, the weeks out, 
does that group stay just very isolated to whatever their kind of their strategic goal is? Yeah, kind of on the smaller meetings, but then we'll all come back together for, we, we just call them work nights. Um, so we'll all be up here and that's, we like to have work nights where there's jobs that some 12 year old, they're like, oh, that's really cool. I love that movie. Can I help? They can come and paint something all the way up to the expert lighting and audio people that like they need to be the ones to figure out how they're going to program yeah. that. Yeah. Um, we have those nights where literally everybody can come together. So that's super fun. And that's we do awesome. that throughout. And then on the sermon writing, that'll come down to just kind of me and the pastor. Um, I've already talked to the team about the themes of the songs, where we want that to go. And so I'll come up with the big ideas for it. And then I'll sit down with our senior pastor and say, okay, here's what the big ideas are. Here's what the scriptures are. And honestly, on this series, a lot of times I kind of help him just kind of work through the whole writing process on mm -hmm. those sermons. Cool. Um, but that part will come down to just us at the end. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. That's a, it's a very big workflow, but, yeah. but it seems like you've got it. You guys have your lanes, which is... Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It, and there's no real good. system. I'm not acting like we have this method that we use yeah. for it. It's just a long to-do list, and we just tackle it in chunks. And yeah. We make sure it stays fun. That's our biggest thing is keep it fun, keep people involved, and we try not to burn people out on it. So. Have you... Have you did, did Do you learn that from experience? Have you had issues? That's been our culture like, all okay. along. I mean, like, I remember being a ORU student and having to get an excuse written from the church because I came in past curfew because I was working on this. Mm. Um, and we don't do that often. So our culture is not that we're just up at the church every night, all yeah, night. Yeah. It's just so fun for people when we do it. So like this past week, we were blessed. Another church did this same series and they let us take all their stuff when they were done. Okay. Well, that was a really late night, but we had a blast and made memories driving in the U-Haul and doing the whole thing. Um, so yeah. Well, Brandon, you've mentioned that you work with your pastor on the sermons and writing illustrations and stuff like that. Could you, can you maybe go into deeper uh, detail on what that looks like with your relationship with him. Sure. Yeah. What was really cool. Our pastor, he's always been next gen focused. And I think I might've mentioned earlier that he invited me to the table when I was 19 and helping with stuff. Um, Eve isn't as an intern. I'll never forget the first illustration he used of mine was it was, I stole it from somewhere, but it was the whole, the church is supposed to be a lifeboat, not a cruise ship. Like mm -hmm. you've heard that a million times. Well, anyway, I, that came to my memory and I remembered it and I said it and he said it in a sermon on Sunday. And that meant a lot to me when I was like 20 or whatever I was yeah. when he did that. Um, and that's been our relationship ever since. It started as he really, he jokes and calls me wordsmithy Johnson or whatever he calls me, but that I am a wordsmith. He likes the way I communicate. Um, and so it's meant a lot to me that I got invited to do that. So ever since then, he'll bring me in on illustrations or he'll send me his notes and ask me to word it in a way that is not as preachy and it is something memorable and something like alliteration or something mm -hmm. that is just kind of a short catchphrase type thing. And does that mean he uses everything I say every time? Absolutely not. But the fact that I get invited to the table is really cool for me. And I love that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so we have that Monday meeting where we work on those things together. And then there have been times he totally trusts me. So like, I remember we did a series based on the movie frozen. And if you have ever met our pastor, Jamie, if you look him up on Facebook or something, you'll see, this is not a man that would sit around and watch frozen by himself. Yeah. Not that kind of guy. I might be, he's not. Um, so he totally trusted our department to say like, Hey, help me fit the sermon to this theme that you guys are doing. And so, yeah. So ever since then, when it comes to these big illustrated things, I kind of start the ball rolling on the sermon and then he picks it up and that's just a ton of trust because we have a really good relationship. Yeah. And I get it. Is he a transcript guy or an outline guy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is a transcript and it is very interestingly written. It's like he uses all these different colors and stuff and okay. I'm not that way at all. Like I start with a transcript and I move to more of an outline. Um, but yeah, so because he's a transcript person, it's really easy for me to come in and add an illustration. Cause you can it, just type it in line. Right. Okay. Yeah. And he does, it's an outline also in the sense that it, he uses different colors and fonts and bolds things. So I can cut out like the main phrase and put in, Hey, this is a different thought to use for this thought. Yeah. Um, and I don't ever just tell our pastor what to do, obviously, <laughs> but he does trust me on a lot. What, of that. what is that back and forth? Like, uh, so you, you talk about it on Monday, yeah. well then like, I mean, is there like a rough draft by Wednesday or like, what does that yeah, look like? So Monday is super collaborative. So he has, I'm a part of a much larger team. Sometimes there'll be as many as five or six people okay. working on the sermon. And so he'll know, or we'll all know, Hey, this is where we feel like God's leading us this week. What do the thoughts need to be? And that's usually where I jump in. And sometimes I don't collaborate with him at all after that meeting because I shared what I thought and he took it. Um, he tries to write it on Monday and Tuesday and then Wednesday we see it. And then it's usually by that point, he'll say, Hey, let me know if you have changes, but I know him well enough to know that at that point he would love to there for there not to be any changes. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
so a lot of times we don't mess with it unless he specifically says, and he'll usually tag me personally if he does this. He'll say, hey, Brandon, can you add, I feel like that needs a closing illustration or that last thought that's really wordy. Do any of you guys have an opinion? Um, and that's usually where I'll jump in if it's something like that. Okay, I, I do want to ask clarification on illustration yeah. um, because I I am familiar enough with uh, with your pastor to know that there's been times he'll do some like epic like, yeah on stage illustrations, yeah. but you don't necessarily mean that all not the every time, week. Right? No, no, no. And we like if you look at our stuff we put out there, you probably see that a lot because that's the stuff that we like to showcase. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it could be as simple as I tell him, "Hey, do you remember?" Well, okay, this Sunday is a great example. We're talking about growth and how families grow together. So it's important for every member of the family, being the church family, to grow. And I remember from an old illustration years ago, he showed a picture of the little growth chart behind his door that had his kid's height. And so I remember that and I said, hey, do you still have that picture? That would be a good fit here. Um, and I don't even know if he's using it this weekend or not. But that would be the kind of thing okay, that we'd consider okay. an illustration. It doesn't even need to be a picture. It can be a story. Yeah. It could even be another Bible story that illustrates the point. Um, so I use that word illustration saying literally just anything that illustrates the point okay. and a lot of it's story based. Okay. Awesome. And so if you, if you get through Wednesday and there aren't any major changes, does that when like you send it to your graphics people for notes or if there are notes or is that when you start actually kind of dealing out the, 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 the actual process of getting jobs done for the weekend? Sure. Yeah. That, um, a lot of times the overall theme things are planned and if there was a bigger illustration, we wouldn't find out on Wednesday. It would be like weeks ahead of time. We know the theme and we want to base it on, we want to do this song that Sunday. And a lot of times pastor will, our creative team will go first in completing things and then he'll come in with the sermon when it's a major illustration. But on a week to week, like this week, all that means is we're going to give it to somebody. The graphics are already done. Um, because the sermon notes are just, we just type them right into ProPresenter. Okay. And okay. so we'll just do that. I'll probably end up doing that at home on a laptop tomorrow. Um, so you guys just do, uh, do you do lower thirds? No, we or? don't. We Our room is such that we've talked about it, but our room is a little closer and more intimate yeah. than we feel like we need that. Um, so yeah, it's just really basic black on or white on black. White on black. Yep. Okay. Awesome. And then our designer month, a month or so ahead of time, usually will have the actual artwork that is for the in between the sermons yeah. notes. Okay. Awesome. And then, uh, do you guys do, do you have rehearsals or anything like that? Like before Sunday? Like oh yeah. That, so what our, does that look yeah, like? Our worship guys? department, they practice on Wednesday nights after our Wednesday night service. Um, and then they practice again on Sunday mornings and then we do a full run through right before service. And that's kind of where I'm involved is in that full run okay. through and working with our worship pastor to say, Hey, we need to make this baptism announcement in between these songs or just basic detail stuff like okay. that. Okay. So Sunday, I mean, it, would you say your role is more like a producer side? Yeah. Like you're just yeah. kind of overseeing, making sure all the yeah. Buttons are pushed and the right things are said yeah. and when they're said and, and all yeah. that kind so of we, stuff. And we're moving to, I don't want anyone to assume that we're just like really sharp and detailed on getting that every perfect every weekend. We're moving there. But um, yeah, so that's kind of my role. And I'm unique in that I am part of our teaching team. And a lot of times I'll do some of the onstage communication. Okay. So if our campus pastor's out of town or something, I'll be the one that walks up to do an announcement or take the offering or I'll be speaking if pastor's gone. Um, but I, overall in those run throughs for sure, I'm just kind of overseeing things and making sure it all works together as someone who's who has kind of had to learn the hands-on for a broad variety of things and now overseeing a broad variety of things in the creative world um what are ways you found to get better at your craft sounds super simple ask for help (laughs) like there's been times that there's been experts I say experts, but people that really know their stuff that I've reached out to and they are so quick to say like, oh man, that's so cool that you asked. I would love to help you. Um, so that's one of the biggest, the biggest tips I have for people that are trying to manage a lot. And let's be real, like my position is no different than someone that's a really small church. The only difference is they're probably having to actually do all the things, whereas yeah. we're blessed with having some staff to help me. Um, but yeah, I'm just constantly asking for help and admitting that I don't know how to do a lot of this stuff. Like in some of the areas, I just make sure that I know enough to speak the language of the people that know their stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, just constantly. That's a a hard thing to do though. I know. No, I know. I know it is. (laughs) But that's why like, I I mean, I've tried like the online courses and stuff and that's all great. But at the end of the day, I don't know about other people, but for me, I want to talk to a human Yeah. and just, we have a problem. Can you help me figure out how to fix this problem and figure out a simple way to do it? Have you always been that way or is that something you've had to develop? I've kind of always been that way. That's kind of what got me into different positions and things that I've been in is that I've admitted that I want to learn more and I want to help. I'm just a very curious person. 
Um, and I'm a very systems based person. So I just want to figure out the fastest and most efficient way to do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And that helps me to help all these people. And then they can be more creative and spend more time on it. But I'm just going to figure out systems that keep this thing going. Yeah. Okay, cool. I have uh, one more question I want to ask that's just more kind of on the technical yeah, process absolutely. side. What Are there any uh, softwares or project management things that you guys use as a team yeah. that you've found are like super helpful? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm really into that stuff. So we use Basecamp as kind of our base of operations for the church. Um, our worship pastor and our current worship pastor helped set that up a few years back. It's not a super cheap solution mm. by any means. But it definitely keeps a ton of accountability when it comes to, I have a video guy and a graphics guy that I want to do stuff. We can manage to-do lists. It stores files. It's great. Um, on a free level, you can do stuff like that through Google Drive. You yeah. just have to manage it differently. So we use Google Drive a lot. Um, we use Dropbox a lot for sharing all those weekend files and getting things set to different people and making sure that that's ready to go. On a personal level, I use Evernote like crazy. Um, there's a ton of good courses online on how to manage it so it doesn't overwhelm you. Yeah. And I just love it because people, f there's a perception that I would be a very organized person. I'm not. I'm super forgetful. I'm a procrastinator. I just have learned that well enough to know I have to have an app where I can write this idea down because if I don't, it's gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Evernote has all of our stuff. Like if I lose my Evernote account, we got to start over <laughs> on everything. Um, so yeah, so that's one we use. I use one called Wonderlist. W-U-N-D-E-R list. Um, I use that for my personal to-do list management. It's great because you can have groups on there, or not groups, but you can have shared accounts with people. Mm. And so like interns, if we ever have an intern or somebody that's helping me a lot, I can create them an account and just throw things on there yeah. for them. Just that basic stuff that we don't need tracking, we don't need files, we just literally need to be able to see, here's the thing we want you to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a great one. I think that's pretty much it on the everyday software stuff. Uh, okay. And then obviously I just use word processors a lot just to write all this stuff. And do you, you don't, do you use any kind of like a script software or anything like that? Or you just use, I have. So when we used, um, I think it's called Celtics, mm -hmm. C E L T X. Um, and I used the trial for our Christmas show last year and it ran up right before the show happened and it was perfect timing. Um, but yeah, so I'll use that. So our Christmas show is more of a, a show. Yeah. And so yeah. I'll use that to write the script. If I have to write an actual script, because it can help you outline it. Yeah, the way like yeah, a outline it. Actually would. Yeah, yeah, it helps, which helped a ton for our people because these weren't like actors, they were staff members, but it made it easier for them to read. Yeah. Celtics is great. And I think there's Final Draft is another one. Um, anyway, so I do that for scripts, but everyday stuff, our pastor, he loves Microsoft Word. And mm -hmm. so I'll use Pages, the Mac version, and then export it as Word to get it to him. Um, so we don't try to do anything super technical with just literally writing the sermons. Yeah. And I just write the illustrations into that. words of encouragement for fellow creatives out there listening? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my biggest encouragement for anybody being creative or really anybody in ministry is just constantly remember to keep the main thing, the main thing. When I graduated from college, my favorite professor gave me a little metal cross. I'm sure she got it at Mardell or something. Um, and it said that it just said, keep the main thing, the main thing. And so that's something that I've remembered throughout because as creatives, we can let our creative work become the main thing. And we don't mean to, we want to be excellent. We want that service to go really well. We want to really write a good script for something. We want the video to be great. But if we let that come above serving people or spending time for people or with people, it's not ministry anymore. It's a creative outlet. And so for me, keeping the main thing, the main thing means my relationship with God, my relationship with my family, and I'm here to minister to people. And so I have to be careful because I'm the kind of person that can pop headphones in and get in the zone, but I've got to remember if someone comes by the church and needs us, we're here for ministry. And at the end of the day, ministry needs to happen. Um, so anyway, that would be kind of my big, kind of a life thing for me is that it's not at all about me and I need to remember that and keep that main thing the main thing. We want to thank Brandon again for joining the podcast and uh, really enjoyed sitting down and talking with him. And if you're if you're part of the Create Initiative, you definitely see Brandon and his team around. So next time you see him, go up and say, hey, man, I want a hamburger. Give me one of them for burgers. For burgers. Uh, well, hey, Kyle, we, we need to get out of here. It is time to, to end the show. But before we go... Um, uh, we need to address something and maybe we'll call it, it it's not a final farewell but maybe it's the beginning of the end yes that is that is right this is 
As we as we say this, this is the beginning of the end, or maybe close to the end of Movie Pass, the nine ninety nine movie subscription service that at one time allowed you to see a movie a day with no or little restrictions. Um, Kyle, those days are now over. Yes, it's a dumpster fire. <laughs> it really is. A few weeks ago, they literally ran out of money and couldn't allow people to buy tickets to Mission Impossible. Uh, they had to overnight $5 million. Uh, they had to borrow $5 million in cash uh, just to, to pay off all the credit card processors in, in one night. Uh, they liquidated their stock. They, it, it's just, uh, it's been an amazing experience. And I, I'm going to say experience because I am a movie pass user. And so I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, on the inside track of like this and, and I've had friends who've already canceled. Um, I'm currently holding on, but not for any real reason other than to kind of like, uh, I feel like going down with this ship. I yeah. don't know why, you know, but, yeah. but we were talking off the air that, that you, you have an opinion that maybe movie pass is, is doing something that is noble for, for the greater good. Yeah. I just think that they got the attention out there that something like this could work if mm-hmm. it wasn't a bunch of, uh, inept people yeah. running it. <laughs> and so, uh, cause we were talking how a year ago when it changed from like $40 a month to $10 a month. They had only had 20,000 subscribers, yeah. and um, I'm not sure how long they had been running at $40 a month, but they're like, we want to get more subscribers, and it worked. Yeah. And Yeah, now they have over 3 million, or yeah. they did. Not, they, it may yeah, have yeah. dropped. It worked, and, but they just didn't... It, $10 seemed a little too low, or, yeah. or they didn't work out enough deals you know, with the, comp, the movie theaters or whatever, but you mentioned um, AMC now has their $20 a month. You can yeah. go see three movies a week, totally unrestricted. Um, and for me, I feel like I would still pay $20 a month yeah, to see yeah. three movies. I mean, $20, that's one movie for one person. If yeah. you're getting a drink and cause a drink's like $70 at the theater. Yeah. And so I think maybe movie pass just, like I said, a, a worthy sacrifice in this, uh, crazy movie going jungle. Yeah. I love going yeah. to the movies. Yeah. I, I do too. It I can't is. wait until my kids are older and I can go more. Yeah. Well, maybe by then they'll have uh, something just built into your wearable, hearable yeah. device that you just walk up and be like, I would like to go see this. And they're like, come on in, sir. But you know where I will not be seeing it? The Regal slash Warren. Yeah. If, if you're in Oklahoma City, uh, it, it is that that is a fond farewell. Um, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to be honest, guys. I tweeted... At Regal, yeah, some not some not nice words. Well, there are a lot of people tweeting some not nice things at Movie Pass. Um, like I said, I, I've decided I'm gonna. I, I have until the fifteenth of this month to decide if I'm gonna go with their new plan or just cut strings and maybe go to AMC. So, um, but it's it's kind of been fun watching it unravel because one year ago everybody said there's no way this is sustainable. Yeah, uh, like you said, I think that the deals they were hoping to cut with theater chains and with other movie, you know, they were really hoping to that movies would use their app to advertise and, and, you know, sell your user information, all that kind of stuff. I just think all that didn't plan it pan out at the volume that they had. Yeah. Um, and so they, they wanted to be a one-stop shop for all moviegoers. And what I think is going to happen now is you're just going to see, like, you're going to have to kind of like the, I have to choose Amazon like or Google or Roku or Apple TV yeah. because they all have, you know, they all have different, you know, Amazon won't put voodoo apps on their device because that's a Walmart owned thing and Walmart, yeah. you know, and then Apple for a long time didn't put anything Amazon on, you know, so it's like you're going to have to pick and choose. Am I going to AMC theaters? Am I going to whoever else, Cinemark or Regal? Um, I think that's the future of it. Whereas MoviePass wanted to be the bridge that could take you anywhere. Yeah, I think they could have done it. I think that they just needed uh, someone smarter. Yeah, at, at I, the helm. I think the 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 it just man they they jumped off that cliff and three million people came with them. Yeah. Um, and because well, the theaters didn't know, they didn't know how to save all yeah. three million. Movie theaters profits come from the concessions. Yeah, like, yeah. 
I mean, ticket prices have gone up a lot, you know, in the last several yeah, years. But, it, but, but even at that, it's like a 50-50 split. Yeah. With the, with the movie studios. Yeah. And so I think that, I think it would have worked even at $10 a month. But like I said, I'm no uh, economist. Yeah. Well. Part-time economist. I mean, just part-time. I listen to... Part-time. uh uh, whatever it is, Planet on, Money. Yeah, Planet Money on NPR. So <laughs> makes you feel. Like I'm basically you know, an economist. Yeah, yeah. So here the. N- <laughs> let's run the numbers. Oh, that's great. Well, hey Kyle, um, as we as we uh, remember what Movie Pass was, and we anticipate what it might be, and who knows? By the time this actually airs, it may not even exist anymore. So if it is no longer in existence, farewell, Movie Pass. We're profits. We we. Uh, enjoyed you while you lasted. Good riddance. <laughs> well, hey, uh, Kyle, do you have anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Nope. <laughs> the next time, um, if you want me to run the numbers, just print out some analytics from the podcast and I'll run those numbers okay. next time. We can do that next time. So uh, for Kyle Lee, I am Jason Evans. Thanks for joining us. Uh, goodbye, Movie Pass. Goodbye, listeners. Farewell. Farewell and good luck. Good luck.